So here we go, Daniel chapter 3. By the, before we read it, I would, do want to say to you that the background is that the children of Israel, the Israelites, have been taken into captivity by the Babylonians, this big, powerful empire. They swept in, they took all the able-bodied men and women, they left behind the old people and the children, and they brought them into Babylon to be their slaves. But Babylon was a meritocracy. If you were smart and capable, you could rise up from that position. And this is a story of three young men who rose up to be uh, very successful in that culture. And until this happened, the story that we're going to read from chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden statue whose height was 60 cubits and whose width was 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent for the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to assemble and come to the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, counselors, treasurers, justices, magistrates, all the officials of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue. And when they were standing before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trion, the harp, the drum, and the entire musical assembly, you are to fall down and worship the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trion, harp, drum, entire musical assembly, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Well, all but three people. These were the Jews that were taken captive. They had risen to prominence. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't fall down and worship, and somebody snitched on them and went and told the king about these guys. And then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trion, harp, drum, and entire musical assemble, fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire, and who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. So when he hears this, King Nebi goes berserk. That's my translation. 
says this, Then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the furnace of fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, Was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, True, O king. He replied, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their tunics were not harmed. Not even the smell of fire came from them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yield up to their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore, I will make a decree. Any people or nation of language who utters blasphemy against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Amen. John Ortberg has written about the story, the true story, of something that happened in 2001. The Russian submarine Kursk sank, and 118 men died. There were 23 of the sailors who were uh, in a uh, part of the submarine where they were able to live for several hours. And uh, they used that time to write notes to their loved ones, which were found. Notes that were written while they were waiting to die. One man, Dmitry Kolnikov, wrote a little note to his wife, and three words from it were put in a frame and were displayed at his funeral. He wrote, must not despair. We all know the stories that came after 9-11, when the uh, planes hit the towers and people used their cell phones to call their loved ones, not in anger or bitterness, but to simply say to their loved ones, I love you, take care of the kids, have a good life. That was their benediction to us in a time when they knew that the end was very near. In the final moment of life, when the scaffolding of life gets stripped away and all the stupid toys that we spend our lives chasing, success, reputation, security, wealth, comfort, when those mean nothing, 
and you're left with what you really believe, what you really built your life on, in that moment, if that moment were to come to you, what would you say? What would your word be? What's the message that you would want to leave behind? Well, this moment came in the lives of three young men, maybe about the same age as Captain Kolesnikov. They were great young men of promise. Even though they were foreigners, they had risen to positions of eminence in the world's most powerful nation. They were the best and the brightest. They could look forward to great families, to living deeply fulfilling lives, doing noble things for their people and their God. Their hearts were full of hopes and dreams. I'll tell you what's striking to me about this story. Usually when the moment comes, when somebody realizes that death is inescapable, there's nothing to, that they can do, usually. The last message is an expression of regret at having to leave life. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, death is escapable. All they have to do to escape death is to kneel down and to worship this golden statue. They will live and be restored to positions of power and honor and status. They're headed toward unimaginable pain and death, and one would, would wonder what life would mean for them. But they would not say that word. They would not kneel. They would not forsake their God. Life or death. And they chose death. It's interesting how it didn't take them long to decide either. They didn't say, well, let's have a little committee meeting here uh, and, sit and discuss what our response to King Nebuchadnezzar is going to be. Nope. They just said, the God we serve is able to serve us, and even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods and worship the image of gold that you have set up. Those must have seemed like their final words. Must not despair. Then verse 19, when Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed, the expression of his face distorted, it says. You know, when they were first brought to him, he was kind of using the velvet glove approach. He said, okay, I hear you guys haven't been worshiping, so let's just pretend like you didn't get the email. You didn't see the memo uh, and when the music plays, if you'll just kneel down now, we'll forget all this stuff happened, and you can go back to work. We'll just pretend like none of this ever happened. But in the face of their unshakable devotion and the staggering commitment to face death rather than disobey God, Nebuchadnezzar lost control. His attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated up, seven times. Now in the Bible, the number seven stands for a lot. About as much as you can. Crank that baby up as hot as it will go, was what he said. Imagine the experience of these three young men facing what looks like their last moment. They've been faithful to the end. They've seen the end coming since they first heard about the command to kneel down and bow to the statue. Every exit has been closed, and they've been faithful to the last, 
real people filled with courage, surely some fear, defiance, and faith. They feel the heat. They see the men who carried them to the furnace collapse and die from the flame. Then they're in the fire. They're waiting for the searing pain, but nothing happens. They're, they don't even feel warm. There's no smoke suffocating them. No burns, nothing. And they're not tied up anymore. They're walking around just fine. But that's not the best part. The best part is what happens to turn this from a miracle into a divine encounter. Then Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement. He asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. There's a fourth member of the Furnace Club, and he is unharmed and apparently is the one who delivered the other three. He convened a little meeting right there in the furnace. Who was this fourth man? You know, it doesn't say, but I'd like to nominate Jesus. Sounds like the kind of thing that Jesus would do. Apparently, they spent a little time together in the furnace. I wonder what they said to each other. I wonder if the fourth man in the furnace told them how proud the father was of their loyalty and devotion and love. I wonder if he told them that because of this one act of faithfulness, their names will be remembered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. Those names, those awful Babylonian names that were given to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they would forget their original Hebrew names. But those names are remembered to this day because of their act of faith and love. I wonder what they said to the fourth man. I bet they poured out admiration, gratitude, worship. They came to this place, the plain of Dora, planning to withhold worship from the false god, and they ended up worshiping as they never had in their whole lives. The furnace turns out to be the place where they meet God. John Ortberg writes that the point of the story is that they had hoped to be delivered from the furnace, but they were delivered in the furnace. Sometimes God delivers people from the furnace, but sometimes God delivers people in the furnace. Jesus says to them what he says to the people still, I'll meet you in the furnace, because he's a furnace kind of a guy. The place where full faith can lead you. It looks scary and dangerous and painful and maybe even like the end, but it turns out to be where Jesus is. And wherever Jesus is, is the safest place of all. I'll meet you in the furnace, the Lord says to us. And then verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. Come out of the fire. And they came out of the fire. Wouldn't you love to have seen that walk? Yeah. I bet you they milked it for all that it was worth there. Then Nebuchadnezzar says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands. What king is he talking about? Himself. 
himself. All of a sudden, he's a crafty politician. He does a 180-degree turn, and he goes from killing these guys who worship their God to saying, therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble. Nebi is not a real freedom of worship kind of guy. He's not a member of the ACLU. And he does a complete turnaround here about this. Then the text says that the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. He doesn't just restore them to their jobs. They get even better jobs. You know, I wonder what the rest of their lives were like. We don't ever hear about them again in the Bible. This is the only story we have about them. But I wonder if years later, when they were old men, on the anniversary of the date of the furnace, if they get together and sit around and talk about that day, maybe put their old clothes on, their old robes that their wives have tried to throw away many times, but they won't let them. They put them on and put the turbans that they wore in the furnace on and sit around and remember those days. And remember when they were young men, full of courage and faith, when they defied a king and when they walked around in the flames and spent a few moments in the presence of the living God. I know that many people today are going through their own kind of furnace, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's illness or disease. Some people are struggling in a battle against cancer. Some are worried about their children. Some are worried about their income and their loss of jobs. There's a lot of different kinds of furnaces out there in the world. That's uh, the great promise of God to us, that wherever we are, whatever furnace we are in, that we're not going to be there alone. That right there in the midst, God will be with us always. Amen.